Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight, for God is worthy of all of our praise. Praise the Lord. How many want it all back? How many don't want to let him take what you got? Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Camp meeting 2023. Look at your neighbor and shake their hand and tell them we're having a great time. Praise the Lord. And you may be seated. You may be seated this evening. It has been such a great honor and a privilege, and I don't take it lightly, to have been called months ago and invited to be a part of this wonderful district's camp meeting this year. I want to thank tonight, take a few moments just to thank a, a few people. Uh, the Mississippi district, I want to thank you for the cooler of snacks. I said that right, cooler of snacks and drinks that were placed in our room. Thank you to the Mississippi District officials, ministers, for the invitation to come and be a part of this this week. I want to say thank you to a dear friend of mine, Pastor Jonathan and Sarah Boscus, for taking time to take us to lunch daily. And uh, when you take myself and my wife and our three youngest children to lunch, you are a good man. You are a good man. Thank you to Pastor Vasquez and Bethlehem Church of the Lord Jesus Christ for hosting this camp meeting this year again. We appreciate every single one of you. All of you. Thank you to the Mississippi District Superintendent, Brother Porterfield, for supper on Tuesday night. And lunch today. I believe all I've done this week is eat. But I thank you so very much for your kindness. I want to say to all the bands, the organists, they kind of slip in and out, want to play one song, one jumps off and other plays. To all the singers, to the choirs that we've listened to this week and worship with, they have everyone, every musician, every singer, Every choir member, you are tremendous this week. You are tremendous. Tremendous. Thank you to all the volunteers who made this week such a great success. I don't know you all personally by name, but you have made it possible for many of us to experience what we've experienced in this house. Thank you to everyone responsible for the first-class dining after service in the Patrick Wilson Outreach Center. We thank God for being able to walk out of here and go down and have some fellowship and food. Thank you to Brother Roberts and all the Kids Quest staff for ministering to our children. It's an honor tonight to meet my brother who's over the Tupelo Children's Mansion and he was asking how many had ever been to visit the campus. Raise your hand. I didn't get the honor to raise my hand. Maybe one day I can tour it. Beth and I, 
I turned around and looked at Sister Wilson and said, it probably wouldn't be a good, a good idea if we toured it because we try to leave with 50 of the 100 children. But we thank God for our children. Our children. They're more than just kids stuck in a back room somewhere. They're not the church of tomorrow. We need our children right now. We need our children right now. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. I want to encourage somebody that's in this room that has a children's ministry. Just because it's overlooked, just because your name will never be mentioned, that is a ministry. And if God has called you into it, you need to walk in it. I want to say thank you to everyone that's shaking our hands, picked up our children, uh, said a kind word to them. Thank you for loving and being kind to my family. That means so much to me. And you all, Mississippi District ministers, your wives, the saints of God, you all are some amazing people. Would you give yourself a hand tonight for just being... If I didn't live 12 hours away, I'd be part of the Mississippi District. I don't think you'll license me that far away. But I'm thankful for all of you. And what God has done in this house and how folks are leaving this week blessed, directed, instructed, and walking in a newness of life. If you have your Bibles this evening, I want to turn to 2 Samuel, the 6th chapter. And I'd like to begin reading at verse number 1. I'm starting my clock now. I know it's Friday night. I'm not going to hold you hostage. But I do feel like the Lord has given me a word for this service this evening. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David arose and went with all the people that were with him for Belal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims and they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was at Gibeah and Uzzah and Ahio the sons of Abinadab they drave the cart they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God, and he took hold of it. For the oxen shook it. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Peruzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, 
how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Or how shall the ark be moved? How are we going to get it from where it is now to where it needs to be? I want to minister on this last night of camp meeting on this subject. God's presence must move. God's presence must move. Can we pray together? Father, I love you. And I praise you and magnify your name. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done, God, and all that you're going to do. I ask you, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak. I know, Lord, that your word has already been anointed, but I need you and your help tonight in this place. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory and honor for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this evening. We read again that David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. The Bible gives us a number that he got together, 30,000 men of Israel. David rose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from hence the ark of God. The Bible tells us that they set the ark upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah and his sons followed after it drove the new cart and they came to Nacon's threshing floor and there one of those sons went to steady the ark as they hit a bump in the road and it began to move and began to slide and begin to fall off that cart that they had prepared for it. And when he touched it, God smote him. Two violations of the Old Testament law took place in the moving of the ark of God that we find here, David. The ark was carried by an ox cart. This is a violation of the Old Testament requirement. That the ark be carried by staves and placed on the shoulders of the men of Levi. The family of God. Number two, Uzzah touched the ark. This violated scripture. And the penalty for that was death. death. Out of desperation, the Philistines decided to make a new cart and sent the ark sent it back and also experienced the anger of the Lord that they asked the men to come and get the ark. The ark of God remained in the house of Abinadab. They left it there because the Philistines wanted to get rid of it. And the Philistines transported the ark of God. They built a cart and they put it on the cart and they took it to the house of Abinadab. And history tells us that over 20 years... The ark of God stayed in the house of Abinadab. So that means his two sons, Uzzah and Ahio, became accustomed to the presence of God. It became nothing more but another piece of furniture. It never moved. It was just in the same place. They played video games sitting just a few feet from the presence of the Lord. They 
they were reared up in a house where it was just always there. It's like mama's china cabinet. It was just in the designated area in the back bedroom somewhere and it just became just another piece of furniture. There are a few lessons to learn that we can learn from David's new cart blunder. Number one, David adopted the ways of others. Philistines moved the ark on a ox cart and David patterned his mode of transportation after theirs. Apparently, David thought the how made no difference as long as you get the job done. But the how is important when God states the how. Makes a difference how we enter into the presence of God. It takes a few things in order and in line for the presence of God to move. We must have the presence of God moving in our services. We don't have time to play footsies with the adversary of our soul and our family. We don't have time to pick up new gimmicks and try to try this for a little while and try that for a little while because while we're trying what the world is putting on display, people are dying and going to hell and the presence of God is just laying dormant. God needs a people still without a spot and without a blemish that says if God required it, I'm going to do it. If God asks of it, I'm going to see to it. If God says I got to be holy, I refuse to be anything else but a holy, dedicated, righteous child of the most high God. I'm not putting him on a cart. I'm not adopting the customs of the world. Because what God allows from the world, he does not allow from his people. God told Moses to speak to the rock and the water would come forth. But Moses smote the rock instead. Water came forth abundantly, but Moses violated God's word. The how was most significant. Children can be brought into this world outside of marriage, but God designated the sanctity of marriage as the how. No, you ain't hearing me. Noah was to build an ark out of gopher wood. He obeyed the how. We are to offer up praise unto God. The how has been specified. He told us to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Some would have us to believe that any kind of music we offer to God is acceptable as long as we are sincere. In other words, a new cart is all right as long as you mean well. Paul said, I have laid a foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. David tried to improve the ways of God instead of carrying the ark of God as instructed. It's amazing to me that out of 30,000 men, he couldn't get the right way to transport it. Because the presence of God hadn't moved for over 20 years. They had forgotten even how to move God's presence. 
We're not a generation away if we're not careful. We're just a few months away. From adults, not just young people, but adults. Not, not remembering how the presence of God used to move. I, 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 just, I just can't remember how it used to operate. I, I knew my grandmother reared me up in the kingdom of God, but it's been so long since I felt the presence of God that I don't even know how he moves or when he moves or how do we, what's the order to get him to move if my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. He said, I'll be in the midst of them. Come out from among the world and be ye a separate people, saith. The, it matters what we do. It matters how we talk. It matters what we look like. It matters what we believe in. It matters. It all matters. It all matters. This is more than just a hand clap, patty cake, patty cake. We are in a battle against the world and against hell. And it wants our children and it wants our marriages. And we've got to have the presence of God to move. We can't afford one service, one prayer meeting, one small group, one youth outing. Something has got to happen. I need God to move, but I forgot what it takes for God to move. It's been so long since I've been to a prayer room. I didn't even know people did that anymore. I've asked this one, what, what do they think the church needs to do? And they don't have an answer. And I've asked this one over here what they feel like is wrong because I just don't feel him like I used to feel him and they don't have the answer. Have you asked somebody that's actually walking out of a prayer room? Could it be that David was asking the wrong men? They just didn't have an answer. Looks like out of 30,000 men, somebody would have said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's what we can't do. We cannot put him on a new cart. It might have worked for the Philistines, but the Philistines are not Israel. It may seem to be working for that denomination, and it may seem to be working for that denomination, but we are one God apostolic, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, repentant of our sins, walking in a newness of life, and it don't work for God's people. It don't work for God's people. Bishop Wilson told me tonight, he said, he said, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm, I know he's not mistaken. He's a man I don't know if he's ever made a mistake. In my eyes, he's a mentor. You need somebody like that. That still knows how to get his presence moved. You need somebody in your life that when you're walking through a tough time, you can go to him and say, I, I forgot. Well, how do we move his presence? And he don't stutter. He don't fidget around. He can look you dead in the eye and say, hit that prayer room running and don't come out till you feel something. I, my Lord, Brother Austin, did he not sing that song tonight? 
Did that choir not sing this night? Did they not sing Wednesday night? Did they not sing Thursday night? Did that saxophone player not play that saxophone? But if the only time you can run and shout and move is when the music is going, you don't know how to move him. You don't know how to move him. You forgot how to move him. You're just, the music's just playing on your emotionalism. If you're waiting for the old songs to move, you don't know how to move him. If you're waiting on the new songs to move you, you don't know how to move him. You you don't know how to move him. But if you remember those elders, when they come in the house of God, they didn't have nothing but a flat top guitar and maybe a tambourine. And before they ever started playing, there was tongue talking going on. There was eye running being made. There was shouting and glorifying God. They knew how to move him. They knew how to move him. They knew how to move him. I walked through the prayer room tonight and I was holding my youngest son. Many of you know we've adopted, we adopted three children. They're our, they're our children. We love them. And it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. But life is hard. It's what God called us into. And so I was walking through holding one. He's four. And he weighs more than the nine-year-old. They got, they, got some, they got some issues. And look at the boys. You say, I don't know what the big deal is, but they're both fetal alcohol babies. And they were both crack babies. And they got some, they, they got some challenges. Six therapies a week. I'd say they had some challenges. And so we, we, we're working through it with the help of the Lord and a praying mama. They're getting better every day. <laughs> I didn't mean to go here, but I'm going somewhere. Our four-year-old, when he was born, he was, he's, he's, he's delayed a little bit, but a, a doctor told, my wife said, she said it doesn't look like He's going to be able to talk. He's gone. They diagnosed him with childhood praxia. We went home and told the church to pray. And there was an elder in our church who walked up to us and said, We ain't believing that. I mean, the music's over with. The altar service is done. We're trying to get to the pizza joint. I forgot he can't talk. Maybe it won't be so bad if he can't talk. I don't know. I just forgot about it. But she walks up to my wife and, and takes her by the hand and said, We ain't believing that. It won't but a few months later, we woke up one day and he said, Mama. Then he said, Daddy. Then he called his youngest brother, Davin, by name. I dropped him off the first of this year to his three-year-old class because our church, Christian school, don't go that, don't, don't, go, don't teach the three-year-olds. We had to find somebody that could help him. Dropped him off in his three-year-old class. He'd been there two years. He'd been struggling struggling with the others in his class, dropped him off. They did a placement test, and the test was going to show us, was going to show the parents what he didn't know, and then they give the same test at the end of the year to show us what he learned. 
So they give the three-year-old the test. His mother's keeping educational things in front of him, and the church is praying, and we're just believing. And when I went uh, to, to get the results, she called me in. She said, I want to meet with you in my office. And I was like, this is not good. It's not good. So I walked in, and she laid the test down in front of me, and she said, you know, Mark couldn't do hardly anything last year. She said, but I want to tell you something's happened over the summer. She said... He already knows the whole year curriculum. We don't even know what he's coming to school for this year. She said, did you know he say his ABCs? I said, I did. I, she said, did you know he knows all the phonetical sounds of his ABCs, three years old? I said, I did. She said, did you know he's already starting to put sentences and words together? I said, I did. She said, did you, I said, did you know he can count to 25? She said, I didn't. I said, I'm telling you, God has done a great work and a great miracle in his life. Stuff like that don't just happen by us bebopping and trying to build a new cart and say, okay, this is how it used to happen. This, this is what God said to do, but this is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to change it up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to rearrange it just a little bit because, you know, we're living in the 21st century and people now are more educated and, and people now have got finer automobiles and people now are making more money than they've ever made. I don't care how rich they are. I don't care how educated they are. Except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And Jesus told his disciples, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and my Father are one. Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a great prophet. But who do you say the Son of Man am? He said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, Peter. But my Father, which is in heaven, and a few days later after the gospel of Jesus Christ, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the new cart. We don't need a new cart. We don't need a new way. We need to preach the gospel. Instead of carrying the ark of God God's way, the way God had instructed, he devised his own method. He should have known that God's ways are higher than man's ways. His thoughts than man's thoughts. Denominationalism is a result of men seeking to improve and enhance the ways of God. Let my little fat self catch his breath. I'm going to be all right. This is clearly reflected in their creed books and disciplines. They have sought intensely to improve the worship, mission, and doctrine of the first century church. David lacked respect for God's divine order. There would have been no new cart to carry the ark if David had respected the authority of God. After failing in his first attempt to move the ark, David was successful in his second endeavor because the children of the Levites bore the ark of God upon their shoulders with the stays as Moses commanded. 
It seems that Uzzah should have known better than to have touched the ark. For 20 years, the ark had been in Abinadab's house, the father of Uzzah. They had lost their respect for the sacredness of it. You can't preach it up. You ain't good enough. You can't sing it up. You're not that talented. You got to get in God's divine order. When some of you that may be here tonight or even watching some young ministers, I, I, guess I've, I guess I've come to the age now, I didn't say young ministers, but because I guess I'm still young. I just turned 50 a few months ago. But I, I want to tell you that the younger, the younger generation that's coming up, if you ever think that you're higher than your man of God and your bishop, you are out of order. I don't care if he walks in with a cane and he's got a limp and he's half blind and he ain't preached in 10 years. He's seen it before you saw it. He felt it before you felt it. He paid a price before that you may never get to pay. He blazed a trail for you to walk. The trail that was before he had to hewn out with an axe and a machete. But now it's a paid highway and all you got to do is walk in it. I'm here to tell and encourage some young minister. Don't you follow the pages and don't you follow the traditions of indoctrination from the world. You get somebody in your view that has paid the price and you understand how and what it takes to move God in this dispensation. It's not your sermon title. It's not your degree. It's not what Bible college you graduated from. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Have you failed him in a while? Did you talk in tongues? Is it more than just every other year? Are you feeling the presence of God daily? Don't you walk around the presence of God till you become so accustomed to it that you say, I can move it whenever I want to move it, ever how I want to move it. No, you got to move it the way God said to move it. You see, a little thing in men's eyes may be a great thing in the eyes of God. All, all he did was reach forth his hand to stay the ark. Many will call it nothing more than a trifle. Yet God smote him dead on the spot. That act was an overt violation of God's restrictions. He acted without divine warrant. An action may seem necessary. An action may sometimes seem necessary and yet it still be wrong. It appeared that Uzzah that unless he reached forth his hand to stay the ark, that it would fall off onto the ground. However, if he had adhered to the law of God, the Lord would have taken care of the safety of the ark. God didn't ask us to do his job. He'll take care of the details. We dare impose our human solutions upon the wisdom of Jehovah God. We sometimes think unless we devise some human scheme to preach the gospel that we cannot get the job done with just, with just the church. So we envision the gimmicks and carnal measures are necessary to convert the lost to Jesus Christ. Having lost our faith in the power of the gospel. 
The gospel message is all we need. He was born of a virgin. He walked the shores of Galilee and he spoke miracles into existence. The blinded eyes were open. The lame were walked. He was denied. He was sentenced to death by his stripes because he stood at a whipping post. We are healed. I said by his stripes, we are healed. He didn't stand at the whipping post and take the stripes for us to send in a thousand dollars to get some healing water. He said by his stripes we are healed. He didn't stand at the whipping post for us to try to find the crusade that's nearest us where a man can wave his hand and 300, 400 at one time fall out. You better stop trying that kind of business. Because you're trying to do it the way the denomination world is trying to do it. All you need is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a home mission pastor in here tonight, stop putting yourself down. Stop telling your children and grandchildren, when we get this and this and this, we're going to have a move of God. you got the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you don't need anything else. Genesis, the fourth chapter, verse number one, and Adam and Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect upon Abel to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. King Saul may have meant well, but he disobeyed God. Saul of Tarsus was sincere in persecuting Christians, but he was disobedient. Any work or function that does not conform to the will of God is sinful, regardless of one's intentions. You can't expect God to move when all we bring him is a casual way of worship. Casual means to be relaxed and unconcerned. Well, I'm here. I wonder what God's going to do tonight. I, I don't know. I guess I was, I was raised by a different breed. I, I raised by a different breed. I walked in that prayer room tonight. My son, my nine-year-old, asked me, he said, Dad, what's that big piece of wood over there in that case? I'm sorry if I ignored any of you tonight. You were walking by, and I, and you said something, and I was talking to my nine-year-old, my four-year-old, but that was the most important thing at that moment. I took that generation over to that log, and I told them the story the best that I knew it. I said, the pastor many years ago, Brother J. Frank Wilson, they said, who is that, Dad? I said, that's, that's Brother Wilson's. That's Brother Wilson's daddy. 
And my nine-year-old said, that's that old gentleman that sits on the second row. I said, well, we'll go with that story, but don't you dare say that come out of my mouth because it come out of yours. I said, his father, this piece of log, was out in the woods, and he, he made it his altar, and he prayed. He said, Daddy walked out here in the woods, and he prayed by a piece of wood? I said, yeah. He said, did he rabbit hunt? I said, I don't know, but he prayed. <laughs> because if we're rabbit hunting, that's all they know about, but they don't know about prayer. If we're shooting hogs and running all through the woods, but they don't know about prayer. If we can teach them how to climb up a deer stand and zip up the zip and put on the deer pee and, and get the rifle ready and look for what, what rack you want. If we can teach them all that, but he don't know about prayer. We can teach him how to hit, swing a golf club and, and what to shoot on 18 holes, but he don't know about prayer. When his daddy's gone and he's sitting in a building and they can't feel anything, he won't know what to do to move God. Some of you daddies, it'd be, it'd be good for you to lay down your rifles every once in a while. Unload your shotguns and teach your children how to pray. Teach your daughters how to pray. Teach your sons how to pray. We're not feeling what we're feeling tonight. There was a price that was paid. There was a divine order. There was a minister in the woods beside an old log saying, God, give us revival. God, save my children. God, give us a great camp meeting. You maybe see him teach them how to find all the thrift stores, you ladies. Teach them how to find all the good sales. What day of the month that all the stuff is brought in. You can teach them how to have a, this color shoe for that outfit, that color shoe for that outfit. That's why I'm pulling that trailer out there because I got so many shoes. <laughs> you can teach them all that business, but if they don't know how to pray, you may, you may know how to move God. You, you may know how to move God, and you may not have moved him in a while, but you may know how to move him. When you go through tough stuff in your life, and you can remember back to the night, it might have been years ago, that you felt his presence. And you know what? You know what stirred it all up? I just I had to get out of my casual way of worship. I, I just can't come in the house of God all relaxed and all. But I'm on. I know God asked it this way, but I'm going to give it to him this way, but... It really don't matter if I feel him or not. I got money in the bank and I'm living in a fine house and my car is running well and my children are doing good. But you let something happen to one of your children and you let something happen to the money in the bank and, and you let something happen to your automobile and all of a sudden, God, I need you. Well, if you can act ridiculous when you feel like you need him, why can't you come in here and worship him so somebody else can learn how to move him? Somebody else can learn that this is the way God's moved. This is the way God's moved. He's not looking for high sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. He's looking for somebody. Y'all can stand, be seated, do somersaults, run, jump. I'm going to finish this tonight. 
I'm going to finish this tonight. David gathered together all the children of Israel, 30,000 of them. Couldn't come up with a solution. He could not come up with a solution. Isn't it amazing how they just thought that, hey, we're going to do it casually. Isn't it amazing how some people think that they're just going to casually walk in here and give God a little... That's why our kids rather be in a foyer than in a sanctuary because they ain't felt God in so long. It's just another ritual. Pastor, you're right. You're doing right. You're preaching the gospel. You're protecting what God built you over. Don't you dare hang your head down in shame and walk out of your facility and think you've done something wrong because you told that talented individual they can't play on that platform until they learn how to move God. Take off some of this. You better take off that. Need to get rid of that. Stop talking to that one. Quit doing that. I don't want a bunch of rules and regulations. We don't care what you want. We want God to move, and we don't want to lose anybody in the process. Because all casual worship does is it kills people. David knew better. The 30,000 men knew better. But they put the cart on the new, uh, the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart. And when they hit a bump in the road, and you will hit a bump in the road, no matter how big your church is, how big your youth department is, how small you are, there's going to be a bump in the road. And out of sincerity, he reaches up and he touches it. But God had to make an example out of him. If he wouldn't have, they'd have never got him in the right order. Casual worship does nothing but kill the generation behind us. You're trying to look all pretty. I ain't never seen somebody that got really, really in the presence of God look pretty. I mean, their tie was all messed up. Sweat started running down the side of their face. Some ladies years ago, them high heels were so high, they slipped their high heels off and come down the center aisle with them old pantyhose on. And when they got done, they were ripped from one side to the other. They had bobby pins flowing out of the hair. And nowadays, most women... You see, oh, that's a bunch of nonsense. No, that's keeping God off a cart. That's keeping God in the right order. That's... I'm going to be more than just a man or woman sucking up some good clean air. I'm going to give God the very best I've got and I'm keeping him off a cart. Because i got to have him to move. Got to have him to move. He's got to move. 
You may be seated. He must move. Casual worshipers can easily be spotted. They are those who continually bring or try to bring the world's traditions into the church. Call it out, pastor. Call it out, pastor. For every family that leaves because they can't stand holiness, God has sent you two families that have fallen in love with it. Call it out, preacher. Call Well, I'm going to find me a church. I'm going to find me a church that doesn't preach by observation. Well, it don't take a science theologist that you just walked in here and you're defined. You're, the, 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 you're, just, you're just defined the, the divine order of God and you're going to walk in here like a rooster with your head all back and let everybody know. I don't care what the preacher says. I want everybody to know that what I'm doing is not wrong. But according to the Bible, it is. And if you're that bold enough to walk in here in front of my children, I'm bold enough to get the God of heaven. I'm bold enough to look you dead in the eye and say, Devil, you a liar, you a liar. We ain't building a new car around here. We ain't. Amen. Uh, you won't do it. I already did it. You may be seated now. We're in an apostolic count meeting. We're in an apostolic count meeting. One old lady. One old lady come up to my daughters years ago. They were probably, I'd say, around 13 and 8. And after service, she got both of my girls. That was a mistake right in itself. Because before I'm their pastor, I'm their daddy. Don't mess with my children. You mess with my dogs. I don't really want you messing with them either. But you can mess with a lot of stuff. But don't mess with my daughters or my sons. Because I'm trying hard to teach them that we don't put God on a cart. Because that's what the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to put him on a cart. We don't want to bear him. The load may be heavy, but when his presence moves, there's something about feeling the presence of God that's unlike any other feeling that you've ever felt in your whole entire lifetime. Oh, it's, it's a burdensome sometimes. It, it feels like the load gets heavy. But whenever you feel the presence of God, you seem to just come on up and keep on marching. Come to my daughters and she got them in a corner somewhere and she told them, she said, she said, you know what your daddy preaches? You ain't got to do all that. You don't, you don't, you don't have, you, you don't have to take pride in your, in your, in your, I'm going to try to be good and say this. You don't have to be, take pride in, in, in your beautiful hair. You can do this to it if you like. You can do that to it. You know, it's okay to do this with, with your face and do a little bit here and do a little bit there. And, and just so happens, God, put, God always puts you in the right places. I come walking down that center corridor and I saw her cornering my daughters. And I walked up and she looked at me and she I said, you didn't finish. Oh no! I've, 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 is everything okay? Oh, everything's okay. I said, "Well, let's let's just find out what you told him." No, the cat got your tongue. If he ain't got it, I'm about to cut it off right here because you ain't gonna speak into my family's life with your negative thoughts about how good God is. Because one day. One day them babies are going to grow up like they are now. And they're going to need God to move in their life. 
I'm going to worship God because he's great and greatly to be praised. I'm going to be a worshiper if nobody else is a worshiper because I want God's presence to move. I'm going to magnify him if I'm the only one in the choir doing it because the choir needs to feel the Shekinah glory of God. I'm going to preach with the preacher. I don't care what he's preaching because it's right from the book and if it's out of the book, it's right. Because while other denominations are dying and trying to come up with programs and gimmicks to keep their people, your pastor's preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the building's filling up and we're baptizing people in Jesus' name because there's a difference when you know how to move it. Casual worship kills the generation behind us. Generations behind us does not see us need to see us casually worshiping God, fussing and fighting over styles of music. I like the six thirty music just like I like the seven o'clock music. I'm going to trade this old cross for a crown in the morning when I reach heaven's ground. I like that, but I like, I want it all back. (laughs) Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Man, some folks want to fuss and fight over what kind of singing is being sung. They want to fuss and fight whether we got a blue light or a red light and folks are sitting on our pews and the reason they're here is not because of the color you like, you got. They don't care if you're singing bluegrass country. They don't care if you're singing southern gospel. They don't care if you're singing contemporary. They don't know any difference. All they know is they were told that God moved in this house. That God moved in this place. Get him off a cart. 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 Yay, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I got to have him moving in my life. I got to feel him. My wife's got to feel him. My children's got to feel him. My son-in-law's got to feel him. My mama's got a feeling. My daddy's got a feeling. My aunts and uncles got a feeling. I gotta have it moving. Come on, Grandpa. You got grandchildren that need to feel him. You're never too old to give God your best. Get that presence off your shoulder. Put him on your shoulder. Get him off the cart. All right, I got about three minutes left. It's been nice knowing you. I'll probably never get to come back again, but I sure have enjoyed this year. Get him off the cart. You got him on the cart, get him off the cart. I know it looks good. I know your suit coat's real good. You can button it. A few more meals right tonight. I won't be able to butt this one. 
while you can button it, you know, you're looking good. Your tie, tie, your knots looking real good. Your shoes, man, they're shining good. I like them buckles on them shoes. I mean, I want them back, praise God. <laughs> everything's going good for you. I mean, everything's fine. Got your tie clipped right where it needs to be. You're looking good. But are you feeling God? <laughs> My mother died about four years ago of cancer. About four weeks, three weeks actually before she died, I was scheduled to be in a conference in Indiana, their fall conference. I'd called Bishop St. Clair and told him that I'm probably not going to make it. He said, I understand. Just let me know. We'll have a backup plan. I said, I'll let you know about a, about a week out. I'd already made up my mind. I won't go on. I wasn't leaving my mother who had been so good to me, who was leaving us way too early. I wasn't leaving her for a conference by no means. She got down to about 80, 82 pounds and she was laying in that bed that evening and I was with her. I'd drive two hours back to the church I pastor and preach on Wednesday and drive back Wednesday night and stay Thursday, Friday and Saturday and Sunday morning I'd get up I'd drive back to Wilson, and I'd preach Sunday morning and Sunday night. I'd drive back on Sunday night, stay Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Did that for eight weeks. I won't plan on going to Indiana. That's too far. She was getting too frail. Didn't look, things weren't looking good at all. Hospice had told us she didn't have many more days left, so I went in. And she, she was out. She'd come and go. She was sleeping more than she was doing anything else. I'd just sit there in that chair and look at her. God, you going to do anything? Just sit there and look at her. We pray, man, we get up with great faith on, on Monday, and it seemed like she went down the hill before that evening. I'd sit there with her on a Monday afternoon. I had to leave on Tuesday if I was going to go, or Tuesday a week if I was going to go preach that conference. I was going to call the bishop and tell him I couldn't make it. I thought she was sleeping, but really she was listening. One of my brothers walked in and said, hey, you going? I said, I'm probably not going to go out. She, they said, well, you know, you do what you feel like you need to do. And her little frail hand reached over to them old rails on that bed. And she grabbed me by the hand. She opened her eyes, face sunken all in. She said, what would you say? I said, Mama, what you need? You want, some, you want some ice cream? She said, I didn't ask you for ice cream. I asked you, what did you say? I said, what does it matter? She said, because I want you to tell, I'm still your mama. <laughs> she said, I may not look like it, but I still beat your tail. Tell me what you said. <laughs> I said, mama, I'm supposed to preach Indiana District Conference in a, in a week. And I'm going to call and tell them I'm not coming because I'm going to be here with you. She said, no, you're not. She said, do you think we went through the hardships that I went through when your daddy died and prayed prayers and jumped up on an organ and sung for, for you to give up? She said, I didn't raise you to quit. She said, you ain't canceling nothing. She said, there's a reason they called you and you need to go and you need to preach without fear of favor and God will take care of everything here. We need some mamas. God, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. We need some daddies. If you can't do it now, you won't do it on your deathbed. 
If you can't, if you can't move him now, you won't do it when you get sick. If you can't move him now, you'll never get out of. Somebody better get him off the cart. Somebody better get him on his shoulders. Somebody better understand. So when I look out through the crowd at home when I'm preaching and when them folks are singing and I got a four-year-old that's bebopping around my legs and he's popping me. He loves to get behind me and stick his head right between my legs during worship. And the other one likes to stand right in front of me. I mean, I'm just like, man, these guys, they're just like a bunch of puppies all up around my feet. And there's folks in our church that look at me and they just kind of they just kind of laugh. They're like, it's hilarious. They, them boys, they want to be just like their daddy. And I'm thinking to myself, if they want to be just like me, they're going to see me do more than just stay there they gonna they gonna see me do more and when I leap that little four and nine year old they leap and when I wave my hands that little four year old waves his hands and when I shout that little nine year old shouts they may not know how to move him but they know how he feels and if you know how he feels you'll do anything you gotta do to move him Said, why don't somebody move him right now? Why don't somebody get out in the aisle and move him right now? Why don't Woo! come on, Mississippi District? The presence of the Lord is in this place. You can have the Holy Ghost right now, you can be healed right now, you can be set free right now. I know the singers are coming, but don't wait for the singers. Somebody raise the, somebody raise your voice to God. Somebody say, God, I gotta have you moving in my life. When you get tired, when some of you get tired of watching the neighbor being blessed. You'll get over yourself and stop being mad at God and you'll find out how to move him. Man, we're done with this mess. Let's leave it at the house of Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom took it in and his house was blessed. David said, my God, let's go back and get him. And we're going to go back and get him the way he wants to be got this time. I know that's not proper English, but I'm from Eastern North Carolina. And I like fat back and collars, if you don't know that by now, but looking at me. I don't have a good language, but I'm telling you, I know the difference in the real and the fake. And what I'm feeling right now is the real. My vocabulary may not get me on a national platform, but I know the difference when it's real and when it's fake. I know when they're putting him on a cart or when they're bearing him on the shoulders. There's a, there's a, there's a difference about the feeling. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. There's something about the Holy Ghost. It gets all over me. I don't want to ever live without feeling his presence. We gotta have God to move. I said we gotta have God to move. We've got to have God to move. Gotta have God to move. I said I gotta have God to move. I said I gotta have God to move.
because my two youngest boys, her mama, is a known prostitute in our city. And their biological dad is one of the biggest drug dealers in our city. And they ain't going back to what they were born into. They ain't going back to what they were born into. I got to have God to move. You see, when you get desperate enough, you'll do whatever you got to do to get him to move. You get desperate enough, you don't care what you look like, you don't care what you act like, you don't care who's watching, you don't care who's making fun. When you get desperate enough, you'll get him off a cart. I say, when you get desperate enough, you'll get him off a cart. Come on, young people, thank you for helping me. But I need some middle age and a shout. I need some middle age and a leap. I need some elders that'll give God some glory. Get him off the cart. I said, get him off the cart. I promise, District Board, that's all I take off. was a kid in the church you know what we did on Sunday night at the church we had a game we played who picks up the most bobby pins wins we pick up bobby pins because them ladies would come in church and their hair would be stacked on their head like the tower bible I've seen stuff fall out of women's hair as a boy in that church. I didn't know what it was. Some things I didn't pick up. I was too scared to mess with it. But the bobby pins I'd pick up. Them men would get so wild. I mean, they'd shout. They'd shout one night. I said, Granddaddy, what are you doing to the altar when everybody's shouting? You don't, ain't got nowhere to go. He said, boy, you better learn how to shout. If you don't learn how to shout, you better do it if nothing else for self-defense. But you better learn how to shout. I won't let the rocks cry out in my place. I got to have it moving in my life. All these dignitaries that are here, I'm not from Mississippi. Don't blame this on none of these folks. You've got folks in these districts, senators and different ones, taking time out of their schedule to come sit in our services this week. If they're willing to sit in our services, the least we can do is vote for them. Because everybody needs the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you're a senator. I don't care what district you're over. You need the Holy Ghost. Matter of fact, you'd be better senator if you had the Holy Ghost. David said, when we go back this time, we're doing it in God's divine order. They put him on the shoulder, and when they came back, you know the story, every six paces, and I'm done. 
every six paces they stopped they sacrificed and what did they do they danced and they sung before the Lord because the presence of God was back with them and it was headed back to its proper place can I tell you the presence of God is in your life? Don't you ever let the devil take it. Don't you ever get out of divine order. Always be who you are. Always be the children of God that you are. Always praise God like you're praising God. And there will be a continued revival throughout your churches and throughout the Mississippi district. Would somebody give Jesus a great big hand clap? Somebody give Jesus a great big hand clap. Now let's thank him that his presence is in this house. Said somebody clap your hands. They're gonna sing unto the Lord, clap your hands and make a joyful noise to the great God of our salvation.
Aleluya. Aleluya. I say praise him. Praise him. Hallelujah. Praise him. Praise him all ye people. For he is worthy. Who needs a gym membership when you got Jesus? Join you in apostolic church and praise Jesus. Amen. How many's got your stuff back? Have you got your stuff back tonight? Come on, we need to carry this stuff home. Hallelujah. Come on, why don't we praise him one more time? We're about to dismiss. We'll tell you, you can go back to the courts, food court, get you some food, fellowship. But I think we ought to just praise him a little bit. We ought to leave here praising the Lord tonight. Everything that had breath, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Make sure you got your stuff when you leave here. If you haven't got all your stuff yet, get it before you leave. Let's sing it one more time. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.